Do you want your business to grow faster? Are you open to new and out-of-the-box ways to drive revenues and increase value? How do you imagine the most successful entrepreneurs and business leaders double, triple, or expand their businesses tenfold or more? The answer is deals. This is a weekly podcast featuring conversations with business owners, executives, and leaders as we reveal behind-the-scenes details that give you, our listeners, the confidence to pursue your own deal-driven growth. On the show, we discuss a huge variety of deals, everything from large complex mergers and acquisitions to smaller deals that you can do even without significant capital. My name is Corey Kupfer, and I've been supporting deal-driven growth for businesses for 35 years as a successful entrepreneur, professional negotiator, and attorney. My goal is to help you strategize, plan for, find, and complete deals that will help your company grow faster. Welcome to the Deal Quest Podcast. Let's get started. Jonathan Jay is one of the world's leading trainers of people who wanted to learn how to buy businesses. Buying scores of businesses himself in a business career spanning 30 plus years, he'll teach you practical methods that work regardless of sector and in any country. Although Jonathan Jay first sold a business in 1999 and first bought a business in 2006, it is only until five years ago that he has started to show other people how to do it. After buying a group of companies from a private equity fund for one pound and selling them 11 months later for over a million pounds, more and more people asked him to explain to them how they could do it too. And so he did. And the one-off event became dealmakers.co.uk, one of the world's leading training companies for people who want to learn how to buy a small business without risk or cash. Jonathan, welcome to the uh, DealQuest podcast. Well, very good to meet you, Corey. Thank you for having me. Well, listen, I mean, I I don't think we could have a guest that's more on point with what our audience is looking for, because the whole premise of this podcast is that, hey, you know, there's this ability to, you know, you have this organic growth and you should know how to get clients and customers organically. But there's also this other way to grow deal driven growth. One of those kind, kind of deals is acquisitions. And, you know, not as many companies and founders and entrepreneurs and executives and leaders uh, bring their companies to do that. Only a percentage of them do. So teaching more and more people how to do it is great. But before we delve into all of that, I want to take you back to when you were a little kid growing up, maybe 8, 10, 12 years old. What did you mm-hmm. want to be? Because my guess is somebody who has who bought and sold businesses and somebody who teaches people how to buy businesses might have not have been it back then. But you tell me. Uh, well, I, I wanted uh, I wanted a business and it didn't really matter to me what the business was. I just loved this idea of a business. It just felt way more important than working for someone else. <laughs> and I've never actually had a job. I've never worked for anyone else ever. So, so I've always done my own thing. And I think it did start from when I was about 12 years old. And you know, I, I didn't quite know what it was going to be, but I knew that one day I was going to be that that business owner. I used to watch a, a TV show that was uh, very popular in the in the 1980s called Heart to Heart with Robert Wagner. Yeah. And the the opening title scene was Jonathan and Jennifer Hart. And of course, you know, I'm Jonathan, he's Jonathan. I felt the I felt the bond and uh, the, the introductory words were saying Jonathan Hart self-made millionaire and I thought that's me. I, that's got to be me one day. Wow. That, that's, a, you know, that's a pretty young age to have those thoughts. Did you have any entrepreneurial examples in your, you know, in your family? I'm always fascinated by this question because I, I had a guest on recently. We were talking, you know, and his, he came from generations and entrepreneurs and me on the other hand, nobody in my family was entrepreneurs and we ended sure. up in the same place. So I'm always curious as to whether there yeah, were models. And, and, 
Uh, not not really. My my parents were dance teachers and had a dance school, so that was their their own business, and, okay. uh, and that was over a, a, a twenty plus year period. I, I wouldn't say necessarily that they saw it as an entrepreneurial endeavor. It yeah. was more doing what they loved and being paid for it, where you typically wouldn't work for someone else. You would have your own dance. Right. So it was self-employed versus being an yeah, entrepreneur, exactly. so to speak. It's a slightly different mindset. Uh, I never had the safety net of you know of parents who could who could fund me if things went wrong. I had to always uh, survive uh, using my own wits because there was never that uh, rich friends rich family that would that would catch me if i if i fell yeah. and and that's tough you know it's, it's it, it 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 toughens you up but it means you've always got to work hard you know there there is never you can't ever let up one other question looking back what was your first deal of any type there were a couple mentioned in early in your career on the bio but maybe one of, it was one of those maybe it was something even earlier especially with the mentality you had you know as a kid what's your first deal that you can think of well, I, I, I remember uh, very clearly as a teenager hiring a theater and, and putting on a variety show, like a musical type, type show and selling tickets. And it was as professional as it could possibly be. I mean, I, I hired professional entertainers for this, for this show. Uh, I did that for charity, actually. So, but I suppose that counts as, as entrepreneurial. Uh, I, I dropped out of out of university, out of college when I was nineteen. I was studying yeah. French uh, very badly. I hasten to add, and uh, a, a four year course only lasted about about three months. <laughs> and and I wanted to do my own thing. And and to be fair, I wasn't particularly successful. Mm. Yeah, I, I I worked hard, but I probably worked hard in the wrong direction. And I never had a mentor. I never had anyone who could say, look, Jonathan, you know, put all that entrepreneurial energy into doing this. Uh, and I didn't have that. And I, I think, it, it, you know, knowing if, if, if I was, could go back in time and help my, my sort of 19 year old self, I would have been a lot further along a lot faster. And I, I absolutely see the value of, of, of mentorship and someone who's been there and done it helping you. Yeah, which is, you know, obviously, and we're going to get to what, you, what you're doing now, which is phenomenal. Listen, I mean, this is not the kind of stuff we learn in, in, in school for the most part. I mean, I, you know, I guess you could argue that there's some MBA programs that teach, us, teach some things about M&A and whatever, but not not really what, you know, it's sort of like when I went to law school and uh, we did a year of corporations class, but never learned how to form a corporation. <laughs> you know, okay, we, yeah. we talked about you know the the business judgment rule and all these theoretical concepts, but you know never learn never learn really how to do what you know what lawyers do. So yeah, and 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 it is one of those subjects that, that where theory only takes you so far. Yeah, and when you're buying a business, you know it, it's a it's a it's wholly practical, and you know e even your your lawyers and your CPAs would you know see it quite often from a theoretical perspective where yes. you're in the thick of it. And yeah, it's all very well and good that the contract says something, and that's what contracts always say. But you know, if you can sit down with the the vendor, the the person selling you the business, and and come up with something that you both agree with, let's put that in the contract instead. Yeah, right. so, so it it's it's a it's a real life uh, situation, and your very best learning curve is actually doing it. Better still, if you can do it and someone holds your hand through the process, because a lot, sure. a lot can go wrong. I mean, I, I'm not all sort of sunshine, rainbows and unicorns about buying a business and, and telling you that you can do it with your eyes closed. Yeah, you know, there are there is a, 
there's a lot that can go wrong, uh, a lot that you need to know, uh, a lot of bumps in the road to, to get a deal over the line. Uh, but it's worth it. That's the thing. It's really worth it. And uh, and it can be absolutely life changing in terms of your business, uh, but life changing in terms of, of you as an individual. I've, I've got clients who've gone from um, you know, self-employed to owning multi-million dollar businesses in the space of six months mm. and changing their life forever in terms of not having to worry about money anymore. Um, yeah. And, and it's, it's wonderful to see that. That's incredibly gratifying. Yeah. And I want to like, there's so much I want to get into on that, right? Because you have that distinction between self-employed and then really becoming an entrepreneur, where, you know, or a true business owner where you have multiple businesses or you have businesses that are can be successful without you. And then we also see, you know, I don't know if you're seeing this, especially, you know, with these disruptions, whether it's the COVID pandemic, whether it's the economic issues, whatever, what you find is a lot of corporate refugees, right? You know, executives who were successful at some level in the corporate world, but now are like, they don't want to do that anymore. And they're in a position potentially to buy businesses, right? But even senior executive journey within a big corporation is very, very different than being becoming an entrepreneur and business owner, right? Uh, Absolutely. I I can think of one client immediately who lives in Switzerland and comes over to London for our get-togethers. And he does M&A for a a large corporation, and his deals are in the hundreds of millions. Yes. Um, Now, his first deal as an individual is going to be in the single-digit millions. (laughs) Right. Um, But you'd think that he knows everything about it, but, but he doesn't because there is a big difference between having a whole team and leading a team to actually doing it yourself, rolling up your sleeve, sitting down with the owner, negotiating the deal, and getting the deal over the line. Big difference. Love it. So I want to delve more into that and what you're doing now, but I want to, but before we do that, I want to take you back to your own deals because obviously, you know, as your bio has indicated, you know, you've only gotten to the point when you talk about somebody holding somebody's hand, well, in order to hold somebody's hand and really do a good job, ideally you have had a bit been there yourself, right? Especially because we just talked about the fact that the theory is, is the theory and the, and the, and the reality is the reality, right? So you've been through the reality. So let's talk a little bit, you know, your bio talks about some early deals of buying and selling. Let's talk about some of the deals you've done and lessons you've learned from them. So give us some early examples of your own experience. Yeah. So, so in the, in the mid, mid to late nineties, I started a, a magazine publishing company and it was a, a business that I worked at very, very hard. You know, I, I was in, in my twenties. I had the energy, the enthusiasm to work seven days a week, wake up in the morning, work, go to bed. You know, I, it was, I was full on, but it didn't really make much money. And probably quite frankly, it was never going to make uh, very much money. And it, it I, I labored at that for two and a half years, worked so hard, but didn't really have very much to show for it uh, until someone came along and wanted to buy the business. And it was a surprise. I mean, I, I wasn't looking for a buyer. They approached me. The deal was done pretty quickly. And we completed on a deal that gave me more money on that afternoon that we closed than I'd ever earned in the previous two and a half years of, <laughs> right. of running the business. And I thought, well, that was easy because it only took me 12 weeks to earn this money rather than the two and a half <laughs> years of struggling. So, so that was a really early eye-opener to, you know, you, you make money in in, in uh, M&A in three ways. 
Uh, first, when you buy the business. So if you structure the dis- business correctly, maybe over financing the business, the business has cash in the bank, you can pay yourself a deal fee on completion. And that's really attractive because that means you make money on day one. You yes. make money when you go in into ownership rather than having to wait for it. The second is obviously the profits of the business and dividends and, and, and distribution of the profit. And thirdly, when you sell the business. Yeah. And most people concentrate on number two and number three. I, I encourage people if the if the business has the right characteristics in terms of assets and, and cash to, to make money when you go in. Because it takes the pressure off to make money while you own it. There's yeah. always a bonus if you do. So so that that's first business sale was a massive eye-opener. And I then started a business in in adult. <laughs> Let, let me ask you a question. Let me take it a step at a time. Sure. I I'm sorry to interrupt, but so you weren't looking to sell. Somebody approached you. How did that buyer come to approach you? What what was attractive? So you're running a business that's not that profitable, right? Not making you so much money, but yet it had some level of enterprise value. And I'm sure we're not talking about, you know, that wasn't your retirement deal, I'm guessing, but you made very good money compared to what you were making. Yes, so definitely. what was the value in that business that your buyer saw that had them approach you? Yeah, sure. Well, it was one particular title, one particular publication called the Achievement Report. And it was a quite a highly priced, it was $200 a year newsletter, It's like a financial newsletter type thing. But it was all about personal development. We had Tony Robbins on the front cover one month. So that that, that type of that type of thing. And this was, yeah, this was late, late 90s, as I said. Yes. And the buyer was a corporate training company. So they saw a strategic fit with our database of inquiries because we had an inquiry database as well as a subscriber database. And they wanted to use the publication as their sort of in-house publication the where they could advertise their own products, their own courses and training courses. So the strategic fit and the value of the database, that was where it was at for them. You know, let's take it a step back there because for our audience, you know, there's some important things in that, right? One is that, and we've talked about this before, the difference between a financial buyer and a strategic buyer. Because for this kind of business, I'm sure there was not a single financial buyer who would have who would have stepped in to buy it, right? It was only because there was that strategic opportunity. There was that one property that really made sense. And this is another key thing in deals: the buyer saw the opportunity to get more value out of that product, right, by being able to cross-sell a place there, you know, whatever it is for their other products, right? So I think those are some really important points on, you know, that that, that can inform some folks and how a business that wasn't that profitable ended up having enterprise value to a particular buyer. Exactly. I wouldn't say that you should bet on it. So, So, you know, if you've got a business that's making money, then you can always sell it to someone. It's a lot harder to sell a business that's, that, that, that's, that's not that profitable. Yeah. Okay. So you were about to go on to your, to, and talk about your yeah. next venture. So, so that kind of launched me into the next business, which was accredited adult education. And we we had a niche, which was coaching and mentoring, which again, in the, in the late nineties was very, very new. Everyone thought of coaching as sports coaching yes. uh, these days. Yeah. You can't move for coaches. I mean, <laughs> everyone's a coach, but back then, yeah, you, you had the soccer coaches, but you didn't, you didn't have, yeah, 
business yep. coaches and life coaches. So uh, we did uh, training uh, within corporations, uh, particularly for their uh, human resources departments. And we had individuals come on open programs uh, as, as well. And it was a business that grew very quickly. Uh, we did a um, well over a million dollars of revenue in year one. And that was 20 years ago when a million dollars actually meant something. I'm joking, of course, but you, but you know what I mean. And it grew very, very rapidly. And we had a competitor and the competitor was very irritating because the competitor was actually set up by uh, a, a client of the business who'd gone and poached some of my key members of staff. Uh, okay. kind of halved my my headcount because he offered them more money uh, and better working conditions. And, and they set up in competition with me. And for five years, they were my main competitor. And they also grew to be a multi-million turnover revenue business. So, so this was an interesting situation because I got out of bed every morning thinking about them and it actually spurred me on because, you know, we can't let those guys win. We've, we've always got to, always got to beat them. And then one Sunday afternoon, I received a phone call from the owner and he said, Jonathan, I've got a proposition for you. Can we meet tomorrow? So I met him the next day. And so that was a Monday afternoon. And by Friday afternoon, four days later, the same week, I owned that business. Wow. So when people say it takes a long time to do a deal, well, it can, but it doesn't have to. If you've got a motivated seller and a motivated buyer, and you've got a meeting of minds on value, and the lawyers realize that a deal needs to be done quickly, then yes. you can get something over the line very quickly. And, and that was transformational to the business. It meant that all the friction of having a an annoying competitor snapping at our heels was gone. Our advertising budget actually went down because we weren't competing with them on Google. This is obviously pre pre Facebook and all of those platforms. Yeah, yeah. It was just Google at the time, and 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 I I more than doubled the size of the business because we had this increased profitability and all of those things. And then a year later, I sold it to a private equity firm, and that was a retirement deal. That was a that was a yeah. life changing deal. I was yeah. thirty. 36 or 37 at the time probably didn't realize how how fortunate um i was but yeah that and that happened all very 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 quickly what was the motivation of the competitor to uh, suddenly change from a competitor to a seller to you it was their personal circumstances mm. it was ill health got it yeah and you know listen that's an interesting point also for people looking to buy businesses i mean one of the things that makes the business world makes for opportunities, especially not at the huge levels. If we're talking about small and mid-sized businesses, it's what I often refer to as an inefficient market, right? There are reasons why health is is certainly one that comes up a lot, why sellers get motivated. And and I'm not I'm not pushing anybody to improperly take advantage of certain circumstances, but there are circumstances where there's motivated sellers and they're happy to get you know, whatever, oh, the, whatever the deal is, yeah. right? And it yeah. creates synergies where one plus one is going to equal three, four, five, or six. So, yeah. And he was really happy uh, with the deal. And, you know, and, and, and I was happy with the deal. So, so everyone was happy. No, there, there wasn't any sense of anyone taking advantage of yeah. anyone, unless, of course, he was taking advantage of me and I didn't realize it. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you know, like there's, there are these circumstances that come up that create opportunities and, and you were smart enough to, to jump on it, make a decision, and then move on it quickly and have your professionals do, do the same. So that's amazing. So then you sell it to a private equity firm, as you said, a retirement deal. So at much higher multiples than I'm sure you paid for, for that. 
Talk about that experience a little bit as we work our way up to what you're doing now, because all of this informs, I'm sure, you know, how you, you're teaching people because dealing with private equity firms, whether it's to sell to them or certainly, you know, we've done but many people on the show talk about taking capital, you know, or being acquired, you know, taking capital from VCs or being fully acquired by PEs. Talk about that deal a little bit and and why were they interested in the company? And, and, and they're obviously, you know, were they combining it with one of the other portfolio companies, or was this a financial acquisition that they sort of opportunity? No, this this was the, the the business was very cash generative, so it, mm-hmm. it was producing a lot of cash. I think we were at about in pounds. So let me put this into into dollars for ease. We were at about one point seven million dollars of EBITDA, and yeah, that that was a very attractive proposition. Yeah, this was two thousand and seven. Where you could you could you could borrow just about anything you wanted. Uh, timing. So, yeah, I know, I know. A few months later, it wouldn't have been, but uh, we were very lucky. Well, I was very lucky, and and they just went and got the got the funding from the bank. I think they put in about half a million of their own their own cash. So, but the rest of it was leveraged off of those very strong cash flows. So they just saw it as a as a cash cow. They they eventually sold it to 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 the person who was running it about five years later, who still owns it now. And it's right. still, so it's still, I'm, I'm very proud of that because, you know, I started it in, in 99, we're in 2003. So it's been going for 20, 24 years. I mean, a business that I started 24 years ago is still going strong. I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of that. That's phenomenal. Because listen, let's face it, not every business, you know, this does not survive that long, but certainly through ownership changes, you know, sometimes those, you know, <laughs> at least one of those doesn't go well, right? So, you know, the fact that you were able to sell it and then the PE firm sold it to an op- operator and that, you know, that's great. Let's take a break from the show for a minute so I can invite you to a new way to determine your deal readiness. I created a fast and easy assessment that will determine exactly how deal ready you are. Once you complete the assessment, I use your responses to identify the obstacles that are holding you back from being a deal-driven growth genius. It's as easy as heading to coreycupfer.com slash assessment. That's coreycupfer.com slash assessment and filling out a few multiple choice questions. I'll be checking in after the episode to see what your results are. Now back to the show. All right, so let's keep let's keep going. Is there are there any other deals? Well, I definitely wanted to hear about this this deal you talk about in the bio, and then I and then I want to really delve into what you're doing now. So uh, this one where you paid a one pound and sold it eleven months yeah. later for over a million pounds. So so, so I I had uh, I'd acquired a, a very old marketing business. It was a thirty year old business. Actually, I'd been a, a client of that business many years earlier okay and the opportunity came along to to buy it in fact actually the the owner approached me he knew of me via linkedin he thought i might be interested and we did a deal on on that and around about the same time i found out about a private equity owned digital marketing business uh, they bought it as a platform investment they'd never done anything with it they'd never bought anything else it had languished in the portfolio for that particular fund. The fund was coming up to the end of its life. Mm-hmm. They were selling everything to return to the fund so they could put put the money back out to the original investors and make their own profit. And this, this business was sitting in the corner. They put in really poor management. Interestingly, the management were paid huge amounts of money. You know, in dollar amounts, you know, $200,000 a year, and they were lousy. They were just so bad. And they, they said to me, you know, would you be interested in buying this? And I said, look, if I'm going to be buying the company uh, and taking over the liabilities, they 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 had all sorts of strange tax structures, which I kind of half understood. Yeah. Um, but, um, but I was told were not particularly um, great tax structures. 
uh, and I said, I'll, I'll buy it for a dollar. Uh, I'll take over all the problems. I'll buy it for a dollar. And we did the deal fairly, fairly quickly. Now, of course, now I've got all the problems, but I knew where the business was going wrong. They had about 80 staff members. They had this expensive management team. They had a core product, which was SEO and Facebook advertising and AdWords that was really, really profitable. And it had mm-hmm. recurring revenue. And then they had all these other things like video production and social media that was losing money. So I very, very quickly stopped doing all the things that were losing money. I let go of about 70 staff. Uh, I made them redundant. Everyone got paid every penny that that they were owed. Obviously, they weren't happy about it, but no one was out of pocket. And they all found jobs elsewhere. They were young people. They could find jobs elsewhere very quickly. And I ended up with a smaller business doing about $3 million, of of, of annual a recurring revenue. I found a buyer very quickly, sold it to them. So the so it was a very quick turnaround. I, I wrapped it up with this older business that I'd bought and, and sold it on because I had no desire to run that business. None whatsoever. I mean it was just it, it just filled me with dread. <laughs> and I'm an, I I'm not a great business operator. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I've got the ideas, I've got the energy, the enthusiasm, I can get a deal done, I can get people inspired and moving towards a common goal, but don't let me near the office. You know, that would be the worst thing uh, anyone could do. Love it. Love it. Let's take a break from the show for a minute so I can invite you to a new way to determine your deal readiness. I created a fast and easy assessment that will determine exactly how deal ready you are. Once you complete the assessment, I use your responses to identify the obstacles that are holding you back from being a deal-driven growth genius. It's as easy as heading to coreykupfer.com slash assessment. That's coreykupfer.com slash assessment and filling out a few multiple choice questions. I'll be checking in after the episode to see what your results are. Now back to the show. All right. So listen, so now you have all this experience and now you decide, and and obviously from what we said in the bio, people were coming to you saying, Hey, you know, you, you've done, you've done all these deals, like how, how did, and especially that, that that one from, you know, a dollar and obviously you assume some liabilities, which is why you got it for Dell. And then, you know, being able to sell or, or a pound and being able to sell it for over a million pounds, people are coming to you and say, Hey, how do I do this? And obviously, also you had a a background in some educational right businesses, so yeah. you know, which which is another factor that we've just learned. So, talk to me about the work you're doing now, and and you know how it's how it's set up, what you know, and what kind of you know is it is it is it one on one, is it online, is it group, is it yeah, sure. you know, and, and then what are the principles underneath? You know, how you're teaching people to do what you obviously have done successfully for many years. Yeah, sure. So so. 80% of what I do teaching people how to buy a business, how to do it successfully, how to do it with by limiting your personal risk, yeah, how to do it u- using different sources of funding, structuring the deals correctly, doing the due diligence. 80% of, of that education is free. I, I give it a, give it away for nothing. You can get it via my podcast. You can get it via my YouTube channel in particular. I've written books that I give away free. And so anyone could access that. And since since the start of the pandemic, we discovered very quickly that 50% of my audience were outside the UK. So I'm on a in a very small country where pre-pandemic, 
I was just doing, my, my clients were only in the UK. But then through the power of Zoom and the power of the internet, I've now spread my wings uh, wider and uh, and now sort of, I'm, I'm global. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a global training company. And then 20% uh, people pay for, there's no obligation, there's no sales pitch, there's no hard sell. I do a Zoom training. I call it my fast track training. I do it over three sessions uh, in the UK. It's sort of in the mornings. If you're if you're in the states, it's in the afternoons, and and it, and it's reasonably you know, low cost. It's about five hundred dollars, and it's it gives everyone a grounding in how to buy a business. Mm-hmm. So you can do that program. At the end of it, you've got everything you need to go out and buy a business, and people do, and people buy multi million dollar businesses as a result of that uh, five hundred dollar. Uh, training, the fast track training. And then some people say, Jonathan, uh, I want to work with you uh, and spend more time with you. So I have like a 12 month program. Uh, I call that a mastermind program, not very uh, original, but it means that I can help people on a a deeper level because it's over a longer period of time. And we do that mostly through Zoom because we have clients all around the world. But if you're in the UK, we have get togethers in London as well. So that's, that's really my, my sort of my training program. But it's not just about you know, me imparting my knowledge. It's about my previous masterminders and the deals that they've done. They join in with the teaching and yeah. I bring in the lawyers and the CPAs to do the things that I'm just not qualified to do. I mean, I know how it works, but I'm not a qualified lawyer. So I bring in the qualified lawyer to, 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 to teach that. And sure, you know, it, it's all about practical subjects because that's I have the experience to, to be able to do that. But I also think that, I'm a, I'm a decent teacher. I'm a good mm. teacher. And uh, someone gave me a definition of this the other day that I hadn't heard before. And the definition was a, a good teacher is someone who can take a complex subject and break it down into easy to understand bite-sized chunks. Yes. And uh, I have never had a confused client. I've never had anyone say, Jonathan, you've explained it to me twice and I still don't understand it. Maybe they don't get it the first time, but by the second time they go, aha, the penny drops. Yeah. So so it's partly experience and partly those sort of teaching skills. And listen, that's, I mean, yeah, there are very, very, very many people who are great at what they do, but they could not teach it to anybody else for anything. I mean, first of all, and I've talked about this concept on the show before, first of all, there are a lot of people out there who are what we, what the phrase I always got, I got it from, I think I first heard it from Bob Proctor who's one of my mentors, but you know, unconscious competence. Right. Oh, yes. They're yes. really good yeah. at what they do, but they have no idea how they do it. Like no yeah. idea. So if you have no idea how you do it, you're certainly not going to be able to teach it to anybody else. The best somebody can do is watch you do it and try to glean the lessons, you know, yeah. for themselves. But then you have folks who who maybe have a better understanding, but they're just not, you know, not good at teaching. That's a separate, that's a totally separate skill. So the fact that you can bring that, you know, and, and what's interesting is, and listen, don't get me wrong. I've, I've learned some, from some great te- teachers who maybe don't have, you know, they have something to impart, even if they don't have the practical experience, but that, that combination of having really done it and being a great teacher is, you know, is something that, you know, you don't, you don't often find. So I'm sure in a lot of value. I think that's the, that's the quadrant, isn't it? Consciously competent, yes. I believe. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and during the pandemic, I bought 48 businesses. 48. Um, Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and people say, what would you recommend, you know, Jonathan, but about, you know, what have you learned about buying 48 businesses? And, and, and what I've learned is don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I it, the, the, the stress was unbelievable. I was having sometimes three, three closing meetings a week. You know, it was like, it was, well, you know what it's like, you know, sure. you're doing one at a time. I mean, it was absolutely 
insane. And I ended up in hospital uh, as, a, as a result. I mean, I, I was, yeah, the stress started to affect me physically. I, I wow. had a, I had to have a I had stomach pains to the extent that I had to have a colonoscopy, which is not the most enjoyable uh, procedure, I can assure yes. you. Um, but they couldn't find anything wrong, which I was slightly embarrassed about because that meant that it was all in my head. And, and I always hope, hope that they would find an ulcer because then I could say, oh, it's the ulcer that's causing right, me the problem. Right, right, but actually right. it was psychosomatic. And, 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 and I, you know, I, I saw a therapist and I was very embarrassed to talk about it at the time. But, but now, yeah, I find that actually it helps people when I say that, yeah, I don't always get it right. You know, I, yeah. I took on too much, grew too fast, huge pressures on cash flow. Yeah, I, I was, I was, looking at businesses thinking, do I own this one or is this one we're about to close on? I'm, I'm not, it was like just so much. It was absolutely crazy. And I ended up selling to my 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 business partner, not in a financially successful deal, but basically allowing her to take over the business because mm-hmm. you know, I just I just didn't want to be in it. I I didn't enjoy it anymore. So I I've I've had the successes and I've also had the tough times. And yeah. I think you know people tell me that that they, they like hearing about the tough times way more than they want to hear about the successes. Yeah. And I, and I, and I, I think that's very, you know, common because, and I appreciate you bringing that up because, you know, in, in the, you know, in, in the entrepreneurial in the, in the deal world and all that kind of stuff, very often, even if we admit our challenging times of failures, it's, Oh, it's only done as a setup for the hero's journey, right. For how we came oh, through right, right. on the yeah, other yeah, side. Yeah. Right. Oh, you know, yeah. I had this tough time when I, but now I'm, you know, I'm back and bigger and better than ever. And, you know, and yeah, I learned lessons from it, but they sort of skip over the reel of it, you know? So yeah. you saying that you ended up in hospital, you know, is huge. So let me ask you this, because one of the things I love talking about is mindset, right? Because we can, we can, you know, we can talk about the practical stuff, how you do do diligence on a deal, how you identify a deal, how you value a deal, how you get a deal closed, all that kind of stuff, right? But without, but mindset is such a big driver and and determinant of our success. So here, you're a guy. You already told us you did a, a retirement deal, so you don't, you know, you don't, you don't need the money, right? You know, you it's during the pandemic, uh, and you take this path of buying 40 whatever businesses and putting yourself in hospital what what do you you know what do you think what do you think drove that yeah good that's a good question so i i think i'm naturally ambitious yeah i i i i'm not as motivated by money as uh, some people might might think they think oh you're just doing it for the money i do it because i want to do it and i have inside me it's the way i describe it is like a like a fire it's like it's a burning inside me i've i've got to keep active i've got to do stuff and it was it, it was a, a group that you know the pandemic acquisitions were part of a group that i'd started building pre-pandemic yes and then my business partner and i had a choice when the pandemic started as to whether we took a step back and waited for it to be over or yeah. we pushed forward I've and we that. yeah we were i was actually on the phone to her in this room when i said let's push let's push forward and it was a little bit like th- there was so little resistance so there weren't any other buyers in the market because they were all, yeah. all my competitors were private equity owned i was the only pr- privately owned group and 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 also there were more sellers because of the of course the, the economic 
pressure. So the way I describe it is like one of those TV game shows where they drop a million dollars from a helicopter and people are running around the fields picking up the $20 bills and holding them. But as they're picking them up and holding them and and and, and holding onto them like this, the, there are $20 bills dropping out the other end. Yeah. And that's what we were doing. We, we were buying these businesses like crazy, but because their management structure was really for a far smaller company, we were making acquisitions, but then losing the relationship with the ones that we bought three months ago. Mm. So it was too much too soon. We grew way too quickly. And that was a, a massive, a massive cause of stress. Mm. So, you know, along those lines, let's talk a little bit about more, not necessarily, you know, maybe others that you've made, but but certainly ones you've seen. You know, what are some of the mistakes that people make be, besides doing too many too quickly in, in buying businesses? Yeah, sure. Um, so, so, you know, buying a business is, is relatively straightforward. I, I don't want to say it's easy, but it's straightforward. There's a process. The people that I see the most successful are the people who follow the process and don't go off the plan you know there is a system to this which is what i do in my groups i have a i have a what i call the complete business buying system step 21 steps and the people who don't follow the system always seem to the people who make it up as they go along always seem to take it takes longer cost them more money the second mistake that i see people make is that they spend their own money and they believe they need to have, I don't know whether this is a British expression or whether this translates, skin in the game. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. a US, US expression as well. Okay, yeah. great. So they have skin in the game. Now, that's all very well, but I think your skin in the game should be the effort that you're putting into the deal and the skill that you bring to it rather than your hard-earned money, your family's money. So I believe that you should be buying a business definitely at first where you don't risk any of your own cash. You, 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 you get the finance from other sources other than your own pocket. Um, the, the, the third thing I think people do incorrectly is that they buy businesses that are way too small. Mm. So they actually buy themselves a job rather than a business. So I always say buy a million dollar business, even as your first one, because a million dollar business is going to have better financials, it's going to have better management. It's not going to fall over the moment the owner leaves. It's going to make more profit, we hope, than a business that does. Let's say a business does yeah, $200,000 a year and makes 20% net profit. Well, that's $40,000. $40,000 is a job. <laughs> right. You don't want to buy a job. A business, and, and not a great one either. <laughs> not a great one. Yeah, exactly. So a business that does a million dollars a year, making 20% profit, that's $200,000. Now that's starting to move the needle. That's starting to pay off your mortgage. That's starting to buy the holiday home, you know? So that's starting to make a difference. So five years of owning that, ah, you can make a real difference. So I always say go bigger rather than smaller. People start small because of the mind, the mindset, Corey. It's the mindset of a comfort zone that, you know, I used to, earn $40,000. Therefore, you know, that's the business that I should be looking at. And yeah. I get it. I absolutely understand it. And I would say that 50% of my time with clients is getting them to think bigger, getting the mindset. Mm -hmm. wrong. And finally, I think the successful deal makers are the deal makers who have clarity and focus of where they're going, what they want to achieve, how they're going to achieve it, and then do it in kangaroo leaps 
big kangaroo leaps rather than little bunny hops. So instead of buying these little tiny businesses and putting all this effort into buy little tiny businesses, put less effort in to buy bigger businesses. Mm. And, you know, all of those things that you say relate, right? Because, yes, one of the reasons why a lot of folks may be looking at buying smaller businesses is because they have that mindset issue. I made, you know, 40000 so I'm going to buy a business that's that. And, and something that's much bigger than that is just beyond their scope. But yes. part of it is also that going back to your prior point, they may be thinking they have to do that with their own money. And they that's what they can afford, right? So obviously the the ability to get other you know investment capital, loan capital, whatever it looks like, right? Outside capital really increases your ability to do bigger deals. So that those two things are related. And then the, you know, and then that last point you made, you know, flows flows from there. Yeah, no, absolutely. So so people always say, well, if, if I'm going to buy a business for a million dollars, where do I get a million dollars? I don't have a million dollars. Well, right. You don't have to have a million dollars. In fact, actually, the deal makers that I see are the most successful are the ones who start off without the million dollars because they have to be more creative. Uh, the the deal makers who've got a spare million dollars and write write the check on day one, they're the ones who who buy badly because they 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 don't realize that they they can be cleverer and more creative and keep their million dollars in the bank. Yeah, 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 and 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 potentially, you know. I mean, with, with the caveat of maybe you don't want to do 40, 40 something of them, you know, they could do more deals as well, right? You know, with that capital well, exactly. because they can leverage it, right? Or, or buy bigger businesses or, or a combination of both. So that's great. So, you know, so it's interesting. So in your in your current model, you have a very classic, right? You know, current sort of educational business model, right? Give away a lot of content for free, which is yeah. different than in the old days, right? Where we were all, yes. everything was proprietary and protected yeah. and you know whatever right and then you know have have a more entry-level product that br- brings people in, into into the funnel and then and then obviously you got a higher end offering for those folks who really want to you know want to delve in and that's a model that you know fascinates me because it, it you know it's it really works i mean i've studied you know I've, i have many many clients who use that model you know we've looked at it you know in terms of the leveraging the audience that we've gotten between the podcast and the book and everything else i do you know, to do some trainings around, you know, around deals in general. And, and, and as, as you know, this podcast is not, we, we're talking about mainly M&A and buying businesses here, but the podcast, we, you know, we talk about all types of deals, right? Strategic alliances, joint ventures, licensing, online affiliate deals, you name it as well. And I love, I, you know, I, I love that model from both sides. I mean, because uh, I think nowadays people expect and the way they get to know you, it's not like from advertising, right? It's from it's from consuming your content, oh, yeah. having access to that without having any barrier to entry. And then they say, "Oh, wow, this guy, wow, he really knows his stuff." Not only does he have twenty one steps that he's going to take us through, but he's lived them, right? And and then you know, obviously they they get to you know get their toe wet, and then and then the people who want to who you know, it's also great from your point of view, not only from revenue, whatever, but people pre-qualify themselves, right? Because the people coming to your mastermind are by definition, the ones who are serious because they're the ones who've gone through that funnel and said, yeah, I want to make a bigger investment. Yeah. And and you know something, I've had people join mastermind without having any of that sort of pre-education and I can see the difference Yeah, Uh, because the the people who've had the the pre-education, if you like, they, they, they understand my methodology. They, they, they've started to develop the right mindset where people who just come in cold. They, they don't really necessarily sort of follow the the steps. You know, they, they've, they've got their own idea of how it's meant to 
work where I've got a process that works. You've got to follow the process. If you make up your own process, you know, there's, there's no point being on the program. Yeah. Yeah. It really makes sense. All right. Before I ask you my final two questions, is there anything else that you want to say about, you know, tips one way or the other, you know, or what you offer or what you've seen in the market generally? Any closing thoughts? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I think that this worldwide recession that we are in, you know, whether it's labeled as a recession or not, you know, de- definitely there's something going on. When there's economic uncertainty, a lot of business owners accelerate retirement plans. Mm. So they may be 62, 63, they're planning to retire at 65. And they say, you know what? We've been through a pandemic. We've now got a recession. You know, it's been a struggle for a couple of years. Why, why do we need to continue like this? So there are lots of motivated sellers out there. So if you're thinking about buying a business, 2023 is an amazing year. Yeah, I, I I believe that as well. And listen, if you study history, and I've I've, I've said this on on the pot, on this podcast before, you know there are so many deal opportunities in in more challenging markets, and some of the some of the biggest companies have grown out of. I mean, it's you know if you study history, they've grown out of challenging times. So, yeah, yeah. So absolutely great advice. All right, so Jonathan, before I ask you my final question, wh- where can people find out more about your Free content, your paid programs, everything else you have. Yeah, sure. So so I, I would say the best place is probably my YouTube channel, over 170 videos. So if you type Jonathan J into YouTube and find a, a thumbnail that looks similar to me, you know, you've got <laughs> you've got that you've got that channel. There's a free training course on there as well, a free video training course anyone can take. And uh, you just 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 click click the links, take the course uh, and see if you like like what I do. Love it. Love it. Jonathan, my final question on the podcast is always about my highest value in life, which is freedom. And for me, that means everything from freedom around the world, from all people from oppression to why I've been an entrepreneur for decades and haven't had a boss. What does freedom mean to you and how does it impact your life and business? That's a good question. Freedom to me is being able to have the options to choose where I go on holiday choose where the vacations are, choose where I live, choose where I eat, and just having those choices. And I I don't have a particularly expensive lifestyle. I'm not one of those gurus with Lamborghinis and and, and yachts. So that's just that's just not me yeah at, at all. But I have a daughter. She's she's nearly seven, my only child. And everything I do now is for her. Mm. So the freedom to spend time with her is the most important thing for me. Love that. Love that. Jonathan J. thanks for being such a great guest on the Deal Quest podcast. Thank you, Corey. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Deal Quest, where we help you understand how deal-driven growth can be your ticket to freedom. I want to invite you to a unique way to tap into the wisdom and experience of the Deal Quest community. Join the Deal Quest Deal Den Zoom calls, a free monthly 90-minute mastermind. In the mastermind, we address all the challenges you may be facing and help support you with the opportunities that may arise in terms of deal-driven growth. You will get input not only from me, but all the members on the call will collaborate and serve each other in a mastermind format. To sign up for the free mastermind, go to www.coreycupfer.com slash dealden. That's coreycupfer.com slash dealden. I'll see you there. I'm Corey Kupfer. Until next week, wishing you the freedom and financial prosperity that I know your deal quest will bring.